Hello, I'm Rick Lancaster. Thank you for tuning in. Grab your Bible as we study through God's Word together. It's my hope that as we go through these messages that we will all grow in our understanding of God's Word. As we grow in our understanding, we'll also be better equipped to glorify God, bless others, and grow faith ours and others. If you have any questions about anything in this teaching, send me a message. I would love to connect with you. With that said, let's get into the Word and see what the Spirit would say to us today. Good morning, church. You know, it's been a long time since I've been able to be up here teaching from the pulpit. I don't know about that. Some people would say, oh, no couple of things. First, Pastor Rick is uh, taking a couple of uh, weeks to uh, prepare for our journey through Matthew. So be in prayer for him as he studies that what God teaches him that he can teach us, right? And then he and Kelly are going uh, away for a, a little bit to uh, celebrate their anniversary. So everybody say happy anniversary. Later in the month, Pastor Rick's going to share some Christmas messages, and um, I think that's important. One of the things that the Lord has shown me uh, recently is how important that we take the opportunity to celebrate celebrate Christmas. Not Saint Nick, but Jesus Christ. It's been um, heavier on my heart this year than ever before. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. In fact, um, my ability to share with you today comes out of that. This is really a a Christmas-type message, although some of you will probably want to throw darts at me or whatever. Whatever, you know, I'm ready for that. But what I want you to look at and think about through this uh, month is that we need to really share Jesus Christ. There are people, and David alluded to it, Pastor Rick alluded to it, there are people that don't know him. And they're going to come to you and say things that we need to have a response for. And quite honestly, that's part of what my message is, is preparing us for that. Have you ever heard of the name Klosh Swab? If you don't know his name, you really need to know his name. He's the leader of the WEF, which is the World Economic Forum, which has trained many of the global leaders um, uh, in the world. People like Macron from Florida, Trudeau from Canada, the Argentine president, a number of U.S. senators, John Kerry, Al Gore, Joe Biden, the list goes on and on and on. He's trained them. He's a globalist, and I'm going to share a quote from you that demonstrates that. Uh, And what I want you to understand is is that um, we're dealing with globalists now. Here's his quote. God is dead, and the WEF is acquiring divine powers. You see, Kloss is working for a new world order. How about the name... Yuval Noah Harari. Have you heard of that name? Well, you need to know him as well. Uh, He is Schwab's right-hand man. He's a very intelligent man. He's actually a Jew. Um, And his quote is very similar. He said that the WEF, the World Economic Forum, has been so successful in its plans that it is acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. That blasphemy uh, doesn't stop there because he goes on and he says that he promises that the WEF will turn humans into gods. The point that I want us to take away from this is that Christianity is under attack. And if Christianity is under attack, what does it mean for you and I? Our faith is under attack. Is that true? Okay. Um, Let's pray, and then um, we'll get into our message. Father, as we just take this opportunity to quiet our hearts and 
Look into your word. Help us to hear what you want to say to each of us individually. And Lord, help us to understand that while nobody knows the exact day of Jesus' birth, we celebrate his birth because his birth ultimately gave us eternal life. And so, Lord, as we come in to look at your scripture, help us to know what you want us to learn this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my message is How God Views Us. And I think that's important because uh, in looking at how God views us, we are going to confront how we individually and collectively will respond to attacks that come against our faith. Our faith is being attacked as the world abandons the truth of the word of God and blames God for most of its problems. Isn't that a strange thing? Don't want the word, but it's God's fault. It doesn't seem logical, but our world isn't logical. And so we need to develop a strong foundation based on the truth of who Jesus Christ is, and we need to understand that we do not want to invite the world philosophies to define our worldview. Unfortunately, um, as Pastor Rick has shared in the past, a number of Christians' worldview is not based out of the Word of God. It's based out of things we don't want to even speak about. The enemy wants to divert our attention from the Word onto what he is doing. He wants to basically tell us that there is no God or that God is a myth. But what does the word tell us? And I think that it's so important that if we don't stand upon what the word tells us, that we're going to struggle. In Genesis 1.31, it says that God created everything, and it was very good. Now, God created it, and it was very good. But what did man do? After the fall of man, it brought evil into the world. And because God has given us free choice, we get to choose our path. And as David talked about, um, he grieves over lost people. And, you know, I have that same uh, emotion pretty consistently. Because I know, prophetically, what's going to happen to the world's population. And quite honestly, it's not a great thing that's going to happen. Billions, not millions, but billions of people are going to be separated from God. So the question that we need to confront ourselves with is, do we really trust God and his word? That is such an important issue that we need to come back to on a regular basis because the world is really trying to influence us. And I believe that the enemy's on a short leash, and so he is active in every part of society to try to divert our attention. You know, I, I, uh, I share this periodically, but I go back a few years to the Truth Project, and some of you went through the Truth Project, but there's one statement that just rings in my mind pretty consistently. And it says... Do you really believe that what you believe is true? Do you really believe that? If we call ourselves Christians, do we really believe that the word of God is the truth of God? When the enemy asked Eve, did God really say? He was bringing doubt. He was bringing Lies. He was bringing deception into the world. But you know, Eve had to make a decision, didn't she? And her decision ultimately led to a fallen world. We all wrestle with that question of obedience versus conformity to the world. But I want us to hear loud and clear that Christianity is under attack which then means your faith is under attack. And so as we enter this Christmas season, 
I believe that we need to take the time to reflect on how God views us so that we can withstand those attacks by the people like Klaus Schwab. And you know, it's not just a guy like him, who I believe is very evil, but it's neighbors that don't believe that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. Or it's the bank teller that says something that is different than what you believe. And the question for us, how does God view us and do we believe that? I think there are three primary actions that God has given us that drives us to understand how he views us. The first one um, is that he has thoughts of us. There's so many scriptures that talk about that his thoughts are more than can be numbered. Psalm 40 verse 5 says that. Or in Jeremiah 29, 11, I love this verse. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God thinks about us. Isn't that a pretty amazing kind of a thing? That's an action. That means that he is viewing us through his thoughts. His love for us. Romans 5.8 says what? But God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, he died. For, Christ died for us. John 3.16, all of us should be able to quote that. God so loved the world. And, and you know what's so important in that God so loved the world? It doesn't say that God so loved Jews or Christians. It says God so loved the world because God's heart is that none should perish. It's what 2 Peter tells us in 3.9. And so we see God's view of us and his love for us. And, and the third action that I think is so important is through his sacrifice for us. Hebrews 10.12 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. It took one sacrifice for all of us to be saved. So God views us in so many different ways. But I want to take us to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through, 16 through 21. And I want to read that passage, and I want to take ways that God views us. So if you have your Bibles, go to that uh, scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 starting in verse 16, and it says this. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone's, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So the first thing that we see is that God views us as a new creation. He says in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, this is for believers. To be in Christ is extremely important. Galatians 3.26 tells us that we are in Christ through faith. It's your faith, it's my faith that brings us into a relationship with Christ. How do we get there? Well, John 14.6 tells us that perfectly. And that message is a primary message of the word. It says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him, Jesus Christ. And that's an interesting um, scripture 
Because quite honestly, Orthodox Jews don't believe that because they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And if you interact with an Orthodox Jew and you share this, they say, well, Jesus isn't who you think he is. They even get mad at you sometimes for that, or would. But the New Testament is pretty clear. There's one way to eternity. There's not two, not all religions lead to God. There's one way. And so if we are to be in Christ, we need to go through Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2, um, it, it talks about that we are made alive with Christ. And in Ephesians 2.13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we need to understand that being in Christ, we are made a new creation. We are made alive by his love. All Christians need to stand on that word. And it's so important in a time when we're under attack that we know where to go back and, and look at our strong foundation. And if you don't know any other scriptures or memorize any, the ones that I just gave you are so important. Because through those scriptures, we see that Jesus is our Messiah. We are new creation through him. And then, if you think about our world and its culture, it wants to take Christ away from us. What Harari said, you know, is that, that we are not going to look at Christianity as anything special. He goes on, if you've never really listened to this man, um, you ought to. There's one commentator that I read recently. Um, he felt like that with what Harari was saying, that he could be the false prophet. Nobody knows who the false prophet is in the end times, um, but his, his verbiage and his lifestyle lends itself towards that. It's a scary thought that we have people... That's not true. It's, it's an exciting thought that we have people on this earth right now that might be um, ready to become the Antichrist or the false prophet. That's important because we're going home soon. I truly believe that. And so as the world tries to take Christ out of Christmas, we must stand fast in our beliefs and in our foundation of who our faith in Jesus is to keep Jesus the reason for the season. And that sounds trite, but, you know, the fact is is that we're more concerned about what St. Nick's going to do. In our grandkids or our kids or whatever, it's more about the presence. presence. We need to make it about Jesus. If somebody says, Happy Holidays... Tell them that Jesus is the reason. Tell them that Jesus died for them. Well, it goes on in, in um, verse 17, and it says that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So you see, God views us as all of the old things in our life have passed away. That's such an important concept for us to understand because God doesn't harbor, he doesn't hang on to our past sins if we're in Christ. He doesn't. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Hebrews 8.12, great scripture for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Think about that. If you are in Christ, God doesn't remember your past. Paul, when he was speaking to the Philippian church, put it this way, and it's so important because, you know, 
quite honestly, it's about us hanging on to our sins. Paul said, brethren, in Philippians 3, uh, verses 13 and 14, brethren, I do not count myself to be apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived. I'm not home. I don't have the glorified body. I haven't done it all right. But, he says, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Pastor Rick talks about this, and I share this often. Our eyes need to be eternal. We need to be looking at where we're headed. If we look towards where we're heading, think about what we're going to walk on. Streets of gold. There is going to be a river that runs from the Mount of Olives that has living water in it. But no, what do we do? We hang on to those past sins and we beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up because we, we think, oh gosh, God couldn't love us. You ever heard somebody say, I was so bad, God could never accept me into his kingdom. Paul said that, you know. And then he said, that's not true. Paul said, I'm the worst of all sinners. I'm, but Jesus loved him and brought him into heaven. And then he says, and I forgot about those things. That does not mean that, that we don't have consequences to some of the behaviors that we have done in the past. There are some of those. I just recently was dealing with uh, one of the staff that I get to work with. And before Christ, in his um, heart and mind, um, he did some things that were inappropriate. Um, not, not overly inappropriate, but inappropriate. And so now he has to get fingerprinted and he's been rejected because of that past. And so he's all down and worried and, you know, and um, his past is coming up to grab him. But as I prayed for him, I was able to say, listen, God's got a purpose even for this. God knows what he's doing. I don't know, but God does. So you need to not worry about that and figure out what God wants you to learn through this because there's always a purpose. So our, our history can come up and bite us, but what God tells us is old things have passed away. That's not who you are. You're a new creation. So you see, the problem isn't that God remembers those. The problem is is that we hang on to those and we beat ourselves up. And we want to say, I'm so bad that nobody could love me. That, quite honestly, destroys relationships. There are marriages today where somebody still feels that they're not good enough for their spouse or good enough in a relationship or whatever may go on with their mind. But if we're in Christ, those old things have passed away. Remember what Satan said to Eve? Did God really say? What is that? Doubt. It's lies. It's trying to question whether God is really dependable. We need to understand that not only is God dependable, but we don't have to live back in the old person. God views us as those things being passed on and not remembered anymore. So the ultimate question is, do we really believe that God is who he said he is? Ultimately, in dealing with that, the problem isn't about God's dependability. It's about our own hanging on to the past and not being willing to give it up. We've got to get through that. God already told us that he's forgiven us. And it's not by our power. Zechariah 4, 6, we, Pastor Rick just taught this a few weeks ago. It says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. You see, once you are born again, the Holy Spirit fills you, flows over you and empowers you to deal 
with the issues of life. And I'm not discounting that life is hard, because it is. The loss of um, a, a somebody that we love, the loss um, of, of a friend, you know. And, and quite honestly, if you're reading um, newspapers and stuff, you're seeing that a lot of people are, are dying. We need to embrace God's love for us. Forget that stuff in the back and give that to others. <laughs> we need to say this to ourselves all the time. There's only one of you. And his creation of you is perfect. Didn't say you were perfect yet. But I said his creation of you is perfect. He created you, you. There's not another one of you. We need to understand that God didn't make a mistake when he, when he brought us into this world. Ultimately, when we get to go home with our Lord and our Savior, we're going to see that glorified body. We're going to be in that body, and we're going to see it as perfect. We need to commit to standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ. That's our foundation. We need to understand that what Jesus did was one time for all of the things that you have done in your past. One time. We don't need to go back and re-sacrifice Jesus Christ. We couldn't if we wanted to. And Scripture tells us it was one time. We need to commit to standing upon that rock. God views us as a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. There's no history of sin in our life in his view of us. He has thrown them out. What a blessing that that is. And then God goes on and he says to us in um, verses 18 and 19, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and, committed, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We are reconciled to God through Christ. That's how God views us. What is reconciliation? The Greek translation for reconciliation literally means to change completely. You know, when I was studying this and I, and I, and I saw that, it really hit me that if we hang on to past sins, if we try to bring that forward to make us who we think we are, we miss the reconciliation part that God has given us through Jesus Christ. And that's a change completely. And so, you know, we don't have to be that old crotchety old person anymore. We don't have to be that person that doesn't have that joy of Jesus in our heart. Being reconciled to God through Christ means we've been changed completely. We are told that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a person around that has not sinned. And you know what that means for us? It means there's no one person better than anybody else. You know? If, if you're not Billy Graham or Franklin Graham, or you, you name the pastor that you think is the greatest. He's a sinner, was a sinner. The good thing is he's overcome that. He's been reconciled. He's changed completely. We need to grasp onto how important that that is and live like that. In Colossians 1.21, we we're told that we are alienated from God by wicked works, but through Christ we are reconciled, listen to this, but we are reconciled back to God, bringing to present us, Christ bringing us to, in, 
to God to present us, listen to this, as holy, as blameless, and as above reproach in his sight. Oh my. Holy. And Pastor Rick has talked about holy last week. We're not going to be perfect in that way until we get our glorified bodies. But the power that was in the reconciliation from Christ and his sacrifice for us presents to God holy, blameless, and above reproach. Wow. That's pretty intense that we can look at ourselves that way. I was in an Indonesian service one time and the pastor was making this point, um, uh, not exactly the reconciliation, but he had somebody come up, and I'm not going to do that, but um, he was saying, um, as this person came up, that try, try to get to me. And he had another person here. And so the guy tried to come through, and this other guy wouldn't let him through. And his point was, is that Christ doesn't stand there fighting Christians as they come to Jesus. It's not what he's done. He's already done it. He's already paid that. We are already in front of the Lord as he views us as reconciled. That's a pretty heavy thought when you think about uh, the fact that, that we're holy, we're blameless, we're above reproach. I'll bet you you don't look at somebody else in your life as that way that you know is in Christ because we don't even think about it within ourselves. But that, that message is so important that we understand how God views us. Every born-again, in-Christ believer can stand fast knowing that we've been reconcil reconciled by our faith in God through Jesus Christ. God views us as being reconciled to him through Christ. And understand, it's not anything that we do. It's because of who Jesus is. And it's so important that we look eternally at the fact that our home is in heaven. We're only passing through. Short period of time, we're only passing through. We've been reconciled to God, changed completely. What a hope that that gives us. The fourth thing that God views us as is found in verse 20, and it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. Think about being an ambassador for Christ. What is an ambassador? It's a person that speaks for somebody else, right? Well, what the Lord is saying here that because now we are in Christ, we're an ambassador for him. And the thing I, I, I want us to hear is that that's a responsibility. And it's a view of us that we quite honestly, many of us don't have of each other, you know? We have it of Pastor Rick. Rick's our ambassador. He should go everywhere and, and proclaim Christ. That's not what Scripture says. I don't even see Rick's name in there. What I do see is that we are ambassadors for Christ. God pleads through us. Think about how important that that is. That means our testimony is so important. If we're overwhelmed by fear or anxiety or a need to get along, go along to get along or, you know, to conform to what people say, um, we're being viewed that way. That's, that's what our, our ambassadorship. Because Christians live in a glass house. People are always looking at you to see how do you re represent Christ? How do you represent the God that you say is the foundation here? That's what our ambassadorship is. And if we don't stand upon his word 
and know that we've been chosen to be an ambassador, our witness can be compromised. That's, again, why your testimony is so important. Because if you think about it, if my testimony is I'm always a fearful Christian, or I'm always a Christian that gives in, or I'm always a Christian that doesn't take a stand for Jesus, that's what people see eternity as. Wishy-washy. Why, why do I want some of that? Because I'll just give in. Being in Christ allows us to be reconciled to God, changed completely, to be a new creation viewed by God as holy, blameless, above reproach. Old things are gone, which allows us to become an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And if we become an ambassador for Jesus Christ, verse 21 is also very powerful, and it says this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We become the righteousness of God. What's the definition of righteousness? Well, righteousness is the state of moral, listen to this, moral perfection required by God to enter heaven. To be righteous is that we have to be morally perfect. To be righteous, we need to stand firmly upon what God has given us through the, his word. We became the righteousness of Christ to God. If you really think about this passage, it's a pretty um, heavy responsibility that Lord has given to us. But you know, it's really easy because we can choose to do the things that God has called us to do. People will come up to you and ask you, you know, how would you do this? Or give me your impression about this. And you know, one of the first things we should say is, what has the Lord told you? Because God speaks to every person in this building. He asks you to do things that sometimes we just slough off, you know. Um, things like, I can remember a time I was at Winco, and the Lord said to me, share Jesus with this person. Sure, Lord, I'll do that. So I left, didn't do it. Got in my car, started to drive away, and the Lord said, did you? No. I won't say exactly what he said to me, but go back. And I went back and I shared that. And that person, checker, needed prayer. But see, something that's small, it makes us think, are you really wanting to use me, Father? You're an ambassador. Yes, God wants to use you. Yes, God wants to speak to your heart. We are the righteousness of God. Reconciled to God. A new creation. Old things have passed away. We're an ambassador. I started off talking about the fact that Christianity is under attack. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, it says... In the end times, Christians will be hated by the world. Guess what? We're there. That means we're in the end times. This isn't an end times message. Well, I guess it is. We've talked about the world's attacks, evidenced by Klaus Schwab and some of the others. But my point that I want you to hear loud and clear is that we need to be focused on you and I standing strong during the times of attack. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a couple of uh, things to leave you with uh, because they point out this dichotomy that, quite honestly, we are all in. Because every one of us have to deal on a regular basis obedience, our conformity, our not listening. 
Just this past week, um, our Senate voted on what they call the Respect of Marriage Act. It is not a Respect of Marriage Act, but they voted upon it. And I, and I found it real interesting because 12 Republicans crossed over and voted for it. And that was hard for me to digest. But I want to talk about one in particularly. And I'm going to tell you her name. Um, and I'm not trying to be down on her, but she makes the point of what I'm saying. Her name is Cynthia Loomis. She's from the state of Wyoming as a senator. And she said this after the vote when people asked her about it. She said, the Bible teaches that marriage is between one man and one woman. She said, I accept God's word, including God's word as to the definition of marriage. I support my church's adherence to that biblical pronouncement. Then in a surprising candid twist, Loomis talked about the hostility she's experienced from the left on her views. And she said, I, like many, have been vilified and despised by those who disagree with my beliefs. She voted no. She voted yes on, on this act. Listen to what she said. I believe in what the word says. I believe that a marriage is between one man and one woman. But because of the pressure that's on me, I can't stand for Christ. This article goes on and it says, it explains the collapse of Christian courage. The senator conflates civility with conformity. In other words, it's more important to be civil with evil people than it is to stand for Jesus Christ. We need to pray for her. We need to pray for the 12 that basically went along with an act, and you can call your Congress people now, this week because they're going to vote on it, and tell them it's not a respect for marriage because I'm going to tell you, if it passes it's going to destroy the biblical concept of marriage. Hear that loud and clear. It will destroy it. And she voted for it as a Christian. Okay, now, let's look at this one. There is a church in uh, Dallas. It's called Preston Wood Baptist Church. I've been there. Um, has about used to, had about 15,000 people, large church. Big names preach there all the time. They're under attack. They're under attack because they're putting on the play called The Gift of Christmas. They've done it for years and years and years, and it's a huge, huge production. And, it, and knowing that um, it's out there. I, it was published in the Dallas Morning News that it was going to be on, and the attacks that came after it were unreal. You shouldn't be doing this. It's not a true statement. I mean, it just went on and on, and the criticism just rose and rose, and, and the crescendo was unbelievable. Let me tell you what they said. At Prestonwood, we believe, hear this, Jesus deserves our absolute best. Especially at Christmas, the spokesperson said, it's unfortunate that the perennial American tradition of the church Christmas program now draws hateful ire from many. At the heart of this production, it goes on and says, will be the simple story of Christmas. The glorious hope, oh, it's about the manger, shepherds, Joseph, Joseph and Mary, and the Christ child. And the glorious hope we have in our Savior. <laughs> Look at the difference. 
within the body. Here is a person that is under unbelievable duress in, in making a vote and succumbed to the anger, the hatred, quite honestly, the enemy's attacks. It'll be interesting when she goes back to her church, her home church, what happens? We need to pray for people, our, our, our Christian um, politicians. They're under unbelievable attack. And I'm not just talking at this level. I'm talking about our city council. I'm talking about our school board. Because there's a huge fight, even in Temecula right now, to bring CRT into the schools. Thank God that we had several Christian uh, board members elected. But they're under attack. Versus a church standing strong. A church saying, no, you're not going to tell us what to do. Our faith in Jesus Christ is under attack. And as we enter Christmas, I think it's going to grow exponentially to such a place that anywhere that you go, that if you say Merry Christmas, you may be attacked. But you know what? (laughs) We don't need to conform. God has given us so much. And we're his ambassador. We're his mouthpiece. We should plead for those that are out there. Is Jesus worthy of our worship and our ambassadorship? I think so. This message is a message of preparation. I want us as a church to be prepared because the fact is Christmas is under attack which equals our faith being under attack and it's not that we're defending Christmas what we are standing for is what Jesus Christ did for us if we are in Christ we have some responsibilities to to feel the anger and the hatred and the, 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 the whatever it is of the enemy towards us. It's tough. That senator, she could quote all kinds of things, but when it came down to it, nah, I, 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 I want to be friends. And what the Lord said, you can't straddle the fence. You need to make that choice. And I, and I truly believe that in the last couple of years and heading into a new year where I think the intensity is going to pick up again, we need to stand strong. The Christmas season gives us that opportunity. And sometimes it's just, no, Jesus is the reason for the season. Our Merry Christmas because Christ was born for you. Attacks are coming. It'd be interesting at the end of uh, December to uh, just compare notes. How did you get attacked? What did you do? And, there, and, and, and understand, there's no condemnation here. Romans 8.1 says, therefore there is no condemnation for those that are called, that are in Christ. There's no condemnation. It's our prayer that we stand strong. And I say we because Pastor Rick, myself, we need the support and the fellowship of the body to help all of us stand strong. Well, how will you and I personally respond to those attacks? Will we conform as that senator did? Because what she did is conform to what they, the world, the enemy, was trying to put on her? Or will we stand and say, Jesus deserves our absolute best as an ambassador? Let's pray. Father, you are God. There is no other. 
We are thankful, Father, that we can go to your word and know that you, Lord, are going to walk with us. You're going to allow us to be empowered by your Holy Spirit and that we can do what you desire of us because your desire is that all would come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and live with you eternally. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here or listening online that, that doesn't know you, that they would understand that they need to give their life to Jesus Christ. And if they would just say, Father, that I believe, that I confess my sins and I believe in Jesus as my Savior, you are faithful to give them your salvation. And Lord, if there are people that are struggling in their faith and just need an extra push, Lord, give them that, purse today, that push today that they might know that you love them so much that you would convict their heart to confess sin and know that you will forgive them because we are the righteousness of you. Lord, bless this Christmas season. Bless Calvary Chapel, French Valley as we fight the fight, Father. And I pray for an anointing on everyone in this church and those listening that, Lord, you would empower them to be an ambassador that shares Jesus boldly. Bless us to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week of sharing Jesus. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. It's one of my core beliefs that the Bible or Word of God has the power to transform our lives. It's my hope that these messages will help you to do just that and to glorify God and bless others and grow faith. If there's anything that we can do to help you with that, don't hesitate to connect with me. You'll find ways to do that in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to my sermon notes and other resources to help you in your study of God's Word. Sometimes we do need help to grow in our faith. If there's anything that I can do, don't hesitate to connect with me. I love talking to God's people about God and his word. So send me your questions and I'll do my best to answer them. This message was shared at Calvary Chapel French Valley in Murrieta, California. If you'd like more information about the church, go to calvaryfv.com. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, Stay in the Word and have a radical week with Jesus.